This is Kelly. This is Jen. This is Heather. And you're listening to Whiskey Cats. Yay! <laughs> In this episode of Whiskey Cats, we taste filibuster bourbon and discuss farmers markets and Irish whiskey. Enjoy! We have all sorts of DC themes today. Of course, we are in DC, and uh, we have a whiskey today that is—it's uh, you could call it a DC whiskey, but we'll sort of explain that in a second. It's called filibuster bourbon. Uh, yeah, <laughs> they're not very clear on their website, like what makes it DC. Like, there's a DC address, and it's like, what is this? So I um, did a little digging. It's um, from a company that was established in 2012. Uh, so pretty young. Um, and it was actually founded by um, Sid uh, Delarwi. <laughs> Sorry if I butchered <laughs> Who runs Modern Liquors downtown, which oh. you might be familiar with. In fact, I think I've talked about it one time because yeah. we got I got another bottle there. Um, and he was saying in some of these articles that like he saw all these whiskeys that were being finished in lots of different ways and scotches in lots of, lots of different ways. And he didn't understand why there were no bourbons like that. You know, bourbon would just be like, put it in an oak barrel, age a certain number of years, and bam, you're done, bottle it. So he wanted to do something a little different. And so what he does is that he takes um, the bourbon, um, you know, aged, of course, in a charred oak barrel, and finishes it for about 60 days in uh, French oak barrels, um, the same kind used to age fine wine. So it's just a finishing kind of thing. It's not really aged very long in that barrel, but it's supposed to add some complexity to it. Um, obviously since it was started in 2012, um, when he started and, you know, of course I've had this bottle for, you can tell it's almost empty. We're going <laughs> to do a little, uh, bottle killing here today, but, um, he started by just getting, um, dist- he wasn't distilling anything. He got it from Indiana, Kentucky, the way a lot of people do and, you know, just bottle it himself. However, I'm still a little confused. It's not very clear about, you know, he's, started bottling pretty early on, like as early as like 2013, 2014. So I don't know where the aging process comes in because they do, he says he wants to age them like six to 10 years. And so I don't know if that aging was like, if he was buying aged bourbon and then finishing it himself and then putting it in, that's not clear from any of the things huh. that I've read. That sounds like that would have to be it, right? Like you can't age something in a year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he's oh, calling I mean, it... Like- Oh, sorry. Like, you can age something in a year, but it's not the 6 to 10. That he, right. Know. So he must be buying stuff that's been, you know, in mm-hmm. a chart oak barrel. And maybe they're to, like, his spec and whatever. Um, there is some stuff that's going on um, now, but I think we'll taste it first, and then we'll talk a little bit more about that. And but he calls it a bourbon? He does call it a bourbon. He, they make a bourbon and a rye. Even though it's finished in, it's finished in French oak. Well... So interesting. So... I guess that's a question, right? If it's aged in a charred oak barrel, but then finished, does that suddenly make it not oh, a bourbon? Right. Like, I, guess not. It, I think it's just the first part that, you know, it's for the over a year. Part. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Right. It doesn't exclude extra yeah. finishes. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Which is, you know, something I guess we just never thought of before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I think that's what he was saying, that nobody was really adding a sort of like complex note to it. So that's what he wanted to do. Hmm. Hmm. Shall we give it a try? Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty color. It is a pretty color. Of a peachy orange. The bottle is kind of a brownie finished in French oak barrels. Yeah, it's got kind of like a faux old-timey style to it, the label. Yeah. 
You know, like really if you it's like a flat design, like when you were in, um, you know, middle school and you like burnt burnt the edges of yes. the paper. <laughs> I, I was just gonna say it feels like it needs more burnt. It's very yeah, yeah. too too flat. <laughs> it's a pungent smell. Pungent is a great word. Mm-hmm. I'm not getting a lot more than the ethanol, except for like a little bit of sweetness. I'm getting like a citrus punch. If I swirl it, I get it. My first smell was totally all ethanol. I agree. Uh, it's still pretty. Yeah, pretty pretty ethanol-y. Yep. Mm. I'm not sure I catch that citrus, but let's see <laughs> what the taste is like. Oh. What is that's like licorice on the back? Oh my god, it's like cantaloupe to me. <laughs> oh. Well, way to ruin that. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh what, no, it's what like... are my two most hated foods? Oh, <laughs> oh no, and that's like cough syrup down my throat. Oh god. Oh god. Okay, I'm kind of glad you said that because I, like, as you can tell, the bottle is almost empty. I hated this and I don't even know how the bottle got almost empty. I think we must have dumped it in some cocktails. Also, last time my mom was visiting, she dumped, she tasted it and liked it and dumped a bunch of flasks. Oh so I know God. some of it went there. It's like still burning my throat. It's been like 10 seconds and it's still burning. Yeah. Oh my God. I don't think I want another taste. Wow. I mean, I just get no, like, it's, you talk about complexity, but there's no, it's just harsh. Like, it's, it's, it's very harsh. Like, maybe like you could call that complexity. But. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. There's like this weird roundness, like a weird fruity melon, like just in the background. Like I think because it's medicine. Yeah, yeah that's what it is. It's a medicine cough syrup, like, oh, like flavored cough syrup, like a yes. cherry or like a citrus. I'd or... be okay if it were cherry, but this mm-hmm. is not, mm-mm, mm-mm. Oh. Mm-mm. I don't know what else to say. I don't about think this. we will be killing this bottle, Heather. No, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> so Thank God your mom's in town. <laughs> so there aren't um, very there aren't like specific tasting notes for here, except for just super generic like bourbon, like vanilla, caramel, spice. No. But um, but I will say that uh, there's there is this article that I found um, on the Chicago Tribune that um, talked about uh, you know this guy making this bourbon, <laughs> and um, and he says uh, you know vanilla and caramel dominate the bourbon's sugary nose, and that the spirit and the spirit has a honeyed taste that brings the, that brings to the mind caramel and dried fruits with an oaky warming finish which first of all is like so vague as to be like totally useless let's describe any bourbon anywhere yeah. with generic and, and even compared to most bourbons like i don't no. find i don't think it's sweet at all no. like i don't get vanilla or caramel like no. i could maybe like almost fake it on the nose but the taste is ugh. i wondered why you poured yourself such a tiny sploosh i'm like oh, what's going on over there <laughs> So let's talk about what they're doing now, which is um, kind of, I mean, it's interesting in that they're, you know, a total startup, right? So they're getting their operation in order. And he's like, Modern Liquors is based in downtown DC. And he wanted to open, he was trying to find a warehouse space here for a while. He ended up going out to Virginia. He says, okay, so there's this article um, from the Northern Virginia Daily. Everybody gets that, right? (laughs) I live there and I don't know what that is, but okay. <laughs> because I was trying to find where he ended up establishing this warehouse. Like, obviously, he would have done it by now. So around 2014, this is from November, um, they did uh, get some warehouse space in uh, Maurer Town. God, I can pronounce anything today. So kind of out by Shenandoah. And um, this guy, who's now the sales manager there, um, he says, quote, there's too much iron in the water in D.C. and the iron will turn your whiskey black. What? Which I've never heard... 
either of before that there's too much iron in DC water or that iron will we'll turn, turn your whiskey, whiskey black. black. Although I will say there's a bar downtown called Black Whiskey and now I kind of want to ask where their name came from. <laughs> huh. So if, if that is true, then how is Green Hat making whiskey? How is the new Ivy City distillery distilleries making whiskey? One eight. One eight and like the New Columbia. The new, new Columbia. Columbia. Yeah, the Green Hat people. And mm. then there's a oh, new one. Green Hat. And um, why would it only be whiskey? Right. Like well, I guess maybe because it reacts with the wood. Maybe that's what the deal is, you know, to make it black. It Why is not every wooden building process. in D.C. turned black <laughs> then? I mean, that's, you know, it could just be that, so like, bizarre. he got priced out and needed to have some. I mean, I would like to dig into that. Yeah. yeah like, maybe this needs to be one of our science corners. Also, oh, you can get, we could probably, I will totally take this up because all we have to do is look up, like, the water quality data for <laughs> D.C. iron water whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, like. Compare it to mine, like, you know, yeah. or somewhere that we know makes... Okay, I'm making a I wonder if there's a social a media manager of TC Water who would like to help us with this problem. Yeah. <laughs> so he does say that um, he wants to be aging the bourbon for up to 10 years um, before putting them in a Chardonnay or Sherry cask for an additional 60, as we said before. He's doing a brisk business already with the stuff that he's importing from Kentucky and Indiana. Um, he says in this 2014 article, he says that he po- he's poised to start distilling his own whiskey in 18 to 24 months. So really right about now is when mm. he should be doing. So it'd be kind of interesting to, to follow up with him and be mm-hmm. like, so how's it going? Are you actually doing that? Or, right. you know, um, but it is whatever it's bottled here. In fact, it says more town on the label here. It was also, I think this is funny. This is like, so kind of uh, like anti-charming. It's like the, it's like such a DC story. So um, who, like how he picked the name, like obviously filibuster, it's a DC political blah, blah, blah. But he says that uh, it was actually a sales representative for a liquor wholesaler in DC that gave him the name. <laughs> He's like, how a filibuster bourbon? Oh, sounds great. So as, <laughs> as untwee as possible. As untwee as possible. Right. Right. It's really funny. So huh. all that is, um, it's a terrible, terrible bourbon. They do have a rye, so I'd be I'd be like sort of interested to see what that tasted like, but not enough to buy a whole bottle of it for sure. Yeah. Um, this article says it retails at forty six dollars, which I I'm pretty sure is about what I paid for it. Speaking of water, should we? As much as I don't really want another taste of this, should we just try it with the water? Sure. sure. I will say I just took a, a sniff of this, and it does smell sweeter than it did when we first poured it. Okay. It's yeah. Opened it opened a little does. bit. It has I, opened a little bit. Poured. Oh, that's a big difference. Yeah, actually. it's actually really sweet now that I smell it. Now that it's opened, let me just take one sip. Sorry, nope, still <laughs> still terrible. Thank you. Okay, let's try some water. Yeah, I can still I can smell the vanilla with the water. It's like a hundred percent cough syrup to me. Oh God, what is that terrible taste? Yeah, it's medicine-y, It's metallic. It's and so I'd be curious to, to know. <laughs> I keep saying that, but like, you know, because he's still not making this himself. I mean, and we, so many distillers get their whiskey from Kentucky and Indiana that we have drank and enjoyed. So what is he doing to this? Like, is it actually that finishing 60 days that is like ruining this for us? I wonder. That's interesting. I would like to taste all the steps. Yeah. Maybe we need to take a field trip out there and be like, we're probably going to hate this, but we're going to sit at your bar and try all the varieties. Of your- <laughs> <laughs> so that's filibuster bourbon. Oof. Nobody wants another pour. <laughs> Thank <No>. you. <laughs> so 
uh, a quick one this week. There's a story in Popular Mechanics recently about rye, which we haven't talked about in a long time. And rye made in Pennsylvania. There's a distillery called Dad's Hat, which I kind of enjoy. <laughs> and they're making sort of a very traditional pre-prohibition style rye whiskey. Okay, so to remind you, rye has to be at least 51% rye grain. Um, these guys are doing uh, a full-on rye, so 100% rye. Usually it's rye and, and corn or rye and barley, but they're doing full-on they don't want any of the sweetness of the corn. They specifically say that's why they don't use it. Um, and it's uh, they sell the whiskey in keystone-shaped bottles because it's the keystone state. Uh, so from non-twee to mm-hmm. as twee as possible. Um, <laughs> anyway, they they have you know they follow this sort of this very traditional process. They cook down the mash. You know they 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 ferment it for a good long time. They put it through a pot still. The thing that's really interesting to me about what they do is instead of just bottling each batch or specifically, you know, tracking, like remember that Four Roses map of all the Mm -hmm. batches that they mix Mm -hmm. together, they basically take every batch that they make, put it into a giant 1,600-gallon tank, and never let that tank get below a third full. Hmm. So it's like this constantly changing bunch of ages and... That's interesting. And and batches that that they then bottle and sell, which is kind of an interesting way to do it. So they say each bottling is a mixture of different ages, always with a distinctive core flavor. But that kind of <laughs> means that you never know what you're going to get yeah. in yeah, a so bottle. Is, so are bottles different from bottle to bottle to bottle? I mean, I, they don't really talk about what it tastes like but yeah. i kind of want to go find out like buy a bunch of random bottles and just see i also wonder if like you do that long enough i mean and it doesn't even really need to be that long but you're mixing variations of almost the same thing that you make a sort of base product that does really kind of always taste the same Maybe. especially because if they're only adding a third up to a time you're never going to change it so much that i don't depending on how big this vat is i guess that it would be <laughs> very noticeable like you, you make your own yeah you know neutral product it could be. Product. I guess it could be. It's kind of an interesting way to do it. You just never yeah. know. Like, what if you have a really good, I guess, well, maybe it doesn't vary. Maybe you're right. Anyway, I'm intrigued by that. The thought of just kind of dumping it all in. So they mm-hmm. empty out two thirds, leave a third in, bottle that two thirds, and then wait until the thing is full again. Oh, they only leave a third in. Yeah. I thought they left in two thirds. No, they leave I was a like, third. That seems like so much that it just wouldn't. Uh, that's, that's a little different. leave a third. But... And so then that's like sitting around mellowing. And then you add a bunch of other stuff in. I, I'm kind of intrigued. I'm not sure if they do it. Like, do they add in as they like have a batch to add? They add it in, or do they age it for like and wait until they have enough to fill the tank? I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> it's kind of a bizarre way to do it. Uh, I'm kind of, I'm kind of intrigued, and it's close, right? They're in Philadelphia, somewhere in Pennsylvania. I think we should go there and drink it. Okay. And see. Lots of whiskey road trips being played <laughs> yes, today. Yes, lots of whiskey road trips. Didn't we have uh, someone call in about uh, them? Yes. So uh, Lisa um, mentioned long ago, this was like season one, early season one, that she had been to a distillery where they served the chocolate Entman's donuts oh, with yeah. a tasting. And this is that distillery. Oh. Even more reason to go there. Yes, because seriously. Because there, there are donuts. I would drive that far for chocolate Entman's donuts. <laughs> Some new 
some hyper-local news. That is true. Um, So back to DC. Uh, (laughs) We um, have a new law going into effect that now farmers markets around the city um, can sell uh, alcohol, um, including like hard alcohol, you know, whiskey and things like that. So that's new for us. Um, It's very exciting for people, especially with all like we just kind of listed all the new distilleries we have around here. However, there's sort of a caveat. Um, Well, there's the obvious caveat, which is there's still no like open container laws. Like they can't sell individual drinks or cocktails like that, but Mm -hmm. they can sell closed bottles. They can also do small tastings though. So that's kind of nice. Oh, that's Um, helpful. Yeah. So one problem is that uh, there's a group called Fresh Farm Markets, Mm -hmm. um, which runs eight markets around the district. And they actually um, have a requirement for all of their marketers that they sell products that are made or sourced in the Chesapeake Bay region. And almost all, in fact, I think maybe all of the distillers in the region get their grain and product um, from way outside the area. So So even our... Oh, no, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was going to say, so, so they can sell, you know, tech, like legal, like technically, but they can't with their like rules of the farmer's market. I mean, there are probably like other farmer's markets, but this is like all the big ones, like the DuPont yeah, Circle one. The one that. by me. Yeah. yeah. So, so do uh, even wow. bakers have to source their grain that they bake their baked goods from? The flour has to be grown and milled. Within the Chesapeake Bay area. Within the Chesapeake Bay area, because I don't think so. I mean, I guess it's like what they, I mean, they don't, they don't go into detail about what, um, because it says requires vendors to source their ingredients from the Chesapeake Bay region. So maybe that's true. Many breweries use hops and grain sourced from far beyond the Washington area. I mean, maybe, yeah, maybe the answer is yes. (laughs) Wow. I would like to know if that's true. If they're holding their bakers to the same standard, like... Because that's, you need to have your baking soda Mm -hmm. made locally and your honey, well, honey is easy, but your flour, (laughs) you know, all of that stuff, the grains. Mm -hmm. Well, there might be, and this still might not be helpful for everybody, but so way back when we talked about New York and how they're trying to emphasize, you know, buying uh, locally all the grains and hops um, to grow them in New York and, you know, distill them in New York and sell them in New York. So their farmers markets also allow um, alcohol to be sold, and it does have to be locally sourced as well. But they have a percentage, and I didn't print it out, but it's it's kind of different for every type of alcohol. But yeah. it's you know for some of it, I think it was like seventy five percent of like a bourbon mash needs to be from the area, and for some others it was more like fifty percent. But it was a certain percentage, so not like it didn't have to be a hundred percent from the area. Yeah. So like in a in bread, like maybe the baking soda comes from somewhere else, but the but the grain that you're making out of. But, but yeah. yeah, I don't actually know the rule for that. I also was wow. interested because, you know, if you remember from our experiment tasting, we were thinking, wouldn't it be great if we could sell our home-aged whiskey cat whiskey? Hmm. Only if we go super charming and start growing the car- the, the corn in the backyard. <laughs> could we find... Uh, Tito's is not local, but I wonder if there's another local corn vodka, vodka maker. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How... What is the standard that they're holding people to? That's very interesting. And I wonder mm-hmm. what the actual mileage is. I mean, it just says yeah. Chesapeake Bay region, but that could mean a lot that's of things. That's, that's pretty big. Yeah. Maybe the watershed, whatever is included in the watershed. I like Come the to idea of, and buy some whiskey. Yeah, yeah, I like the idea of tasting whiskey at the farmer's market, too. Yeah. That's fun. So Fox News, of all people, <laughs> reported on things you don't know about whiskey. Oh, tell oh, me. Yeah. <laughs> this will be good. So they have a couple of things that you might not know about whiskey. Basically, it's mostly trivia. 
So the, the first one that they talk about is the oldest existing whiskey. And they believe that the oldest whiskey is a 400 milliliter bottle of Glenavon. We need, um, what's yeah. his face? Brian Cox. Brian Cox to tell us Glenavon. I don't know. That you did. That was pretty good. A yeah. uh, bottle of Glenavon special liquor whiskey bottled between 1851 and 1858. Oh. And it currently holds the Guinness world record for oldest World's oldest whiskey. What does it taste like? That's cool. I don't know, but apparently it was auctioned off sometime. It doesn't say when for $16,000. Wow. Yeah. Makes uh, Kings County look pretty cheap. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the other trivia is about Angel Share. As we know, when you put whiskey in a barrel to age for a really long time, there's a certain level of evaporation that happens, in which they call the Angel Share or the Angel's Tax. The other one, which we all know, which I didn't think was something that people didn't know, is that it's actually clear when it comes out of the still. It's called moonshine, and then you age it, and that's where it gets brown color. <laughs> what? <laughs> what trivia? That's amazing. Surprise. Amazing. Surprise. So glad I know that now. Yeah. Another trivia is I'm sure you've all noticed, but there's two different ways to spell whiskey with an E or not oh an E. Yeah. All right, Fox News. So... <laughs> You all know the rules for when it's whiskey and when it's with an E and whiskey without an E. I feel like they kind of started off strong there and then, and then they just started downhill really fast. And the last one is about how we talked about this previously about how scotch is becoming a little bit scarce. Demand is increasing and we're not quite keeping up. The distilleries are trying fast and furious to try and keep up. Uh, but it's, it's, it's a slog and it's just, that's one of the interesting facts is that scotch is scarce. Okay. And those are all of the facts about whiskey that you did not know (laughs) (laughs) on next week's episode. (laughs) Well, speaking of scarce whiskey, uh, fortune magazine recently, uh, wrote a little story about Irish whiskey. Uh, also talking about the high demand that sale and sales were up 16% over last year of whiskeys in general. Hmm. The premium category is what's increasing the fastest uh, because they're saying that adults favor high-end products. I had no idea. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Fortune Magazine. Do you oh, want to put that in, the, on my, uh, <laughs> in your facts, trivia facts? facts I don't, you don't know about whiskey? But I liked... I liked uh, I like their their discussion of this, like, oh, adults are really favoring higher end products and Americans, which I read to mean millennials, really like authentic brands with stories to tell, <laughs> like Jameson. That was their example. Like, like yes. Jameson. Oh gosh, like Hold Jameson. On. Let me give a little sidebar timeout about Jameson mm. um, and their authenticity. When I went to Middleton and did the Jameson tour. I sat through one of the worst welcome videos I have ever experienced. I felt like I was going on the worst It's a Small World ride ever because it was just, it, the video was produced so horribly and told the stories of Jameson so badly. I was like, I was embarrassed to go on the rest of the tour. That's oh how bad it was. The day someone set up for all that. Like yeah. people, that's like a destination. <laughs> right. And it's the first thing that you watch before you go through the tour to give you the history of, uh, of Jameson himself and how it became oh, to man. be and everything. And I was just like, this is terrible. Who wants to watch a video before they go on a distillery tour? No. It's an experience. It's, it's called the Jameson oh. experience. Anyway, here are, the, here are the amusing things. That, so that was my number one, that, that they state that Americans like, quote, authentic brands with stories to tell, 
like Jameson. Also, they claim that part of the reason for the 16% increase, it's easily mixable in cocktails. <laughs> Jameson is or? Jameson is. Okay. First of all, that's gross. <laughs> gross. Why would they I drew. I wrote three question that. marks. Why would they what? attribute that to the... In- I- so people are buying more... Just Jameson in general? Yeah, or? maybe my up 16% over last year might have been Irish whiskey specifically. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Can, but, but, wait, print. but wait, they're still suggesting that the reason for the uptake in the consumption of Irish Irish whiskey across the board yes. is because you can mix it into other drinks. it's so good in cocktails. Is it that they're so good in cocktails or that they're hiding it and so people are drinking just more of it because they don't like savor it at all? The quote was easily mixable in cocktails. Like Diet Dr. Pepper cocktails? I mean, right? That's <laughs> the only thing that I would put it in. Disgusting. I, um, yeah. Also, they said they cite part... This had to be like an ad for Jameson, basically, paid mm. for to Fortune magazine. Um, they also attribute... They think that part of Jameson's popularity in general is because of this caskmates thing that they've come out with, the, the whiskey that's aged in the stout barrels, which sounds disgusting to me. Which also sidebar, I have a bottle of that at home waiting for us to try. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. You need to be able to drink when I'm we do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um anyway, the story was amazing. The the last interesting piece from this article was that Jack Daniels is gonna start selling an Irish whiskey. They're getting in on the Irish whiskey market. They haven't named it, they haven't what? talked to the, there's nothing about where it's gonna come from. But they are, they're going to sell an Irish whiskey. Hmm. So what I learned from this is that there's a lot of bullshit flying around about Jameson and that people even still drink it. What is happening? It's because people don't know any other Irish whiskey. So true. Which brings me to a listener email. (gasps) How exciting. We got email. All right. Yay. Uh, This email is from Philip. And we know we're past uh, St. Patrick's Day, but I think, you know, this email is, is kind of uh, apropos for any, any time of the year when you want to drink any type of Irish whiskey. Uh, his question is that his father-in-law is going to, come o- is going to be coming over for uh, a meal and that he says he's full-blooded Irish as he may be, has stated that he will be bringing Jameson to our dinner. And though that Jameson and he are Irish, I desire con- I desire to contrast it, the whiskey that is, with something of higher quality. So his question is... Good job, Philip. <laughs> what kind of Irish whiskey y'all like? <laughs> it's his question. Well, well I can start out with the, like, Jameson, you know, sibling, which is the other sort of mass-marketed, but, like, so much better than Jameson. Just drink Bushmills. Yes. It's good. You can get it anywhere. It's that's so dump that Jameson out and get Bushmills. But but that's that's not necessarily higher quality. It's just a different taste, really. A that's better, a better quality. taste. A better taste. A better taste. I yes. like the Bushmills better. Uh, I like the other day you brought over some yellow spot. Is that what it was called? Oh, that yes. was delicious. That was very. And you good. know, since mm-hmm. we had it that night, I've been seeing it everywhere around, and so it must be fairly easy to get. Probably more expensive than a Jameson or a Bushmills, but it much. was totally much. worth it. It was delicious. What, yes. are, what are we talking for a, a bottle of that? Um, yeah. So yellow spot is significantly more expensive. It's about anywhere between 95 to $110 Ooh. a bottle. Um, 
Yellow Spot also oh, has, it's yeah, it's delicious. Yellow Spot also has a sister, brother, however you want to say it, in, in a green spot. Uh, and that retails for about, uh, well, they're saying from wines for today, they're saying 43, but I think around, around uh, anywhere between 45 and 65 is I think what's, is what it's going to retail for. So more reasonable. So definitely more reasonable, but again, still, you know, not a, not your Jameson prices, not your Bushmills prices, um, but both are definitely far superior in taste. I also really, you know, last season we tried the Irishman, two mm-hmm. versions of the Irishman, which I really liked. I'm Both lo- were good. I'm looking to see if you yep. still got, have one. Yeah, I got like one little, this is another one I'm just, you know, I am going to, so what, what's that whiskey um, story that we, uh, the podcast that we talked about the last time, the whiskey topic, is that one? Yes. So I listened to one of their episodes and they were like talking about having a heel party where they invite everybody over to finish their yep. bottles. And I have all these almost empty bottles. I was like, I'm totally going to do that. That's yes. a great idea. <laughs> anyway, this Irishman, um, this is the, the Founders Reserve, but we had a second one that Kelly brought us, and uh, both were very good. Yeah. And then, um, you know, I, I think we can't uh, end this question without talking about Writer's Tears. Mm-hmm. I think all three of us oh, absolutely. adore that whiskey. It is absolutely delicious. Also the same distiller as the Irishman. Um just uh, so good. Just yeah. so, so good. Can you find that in the U.S.? Like, I know you brought us some from Ireland. I, I don't know. I don't know if you can find it in the U.S. It's worth asking somebody who's passing through it's Europe. It's totally to worth it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so delicious. That's what we have in the um, the one decanter. Like, oh, yeah. The thing. <laughs> this thing. <laughs> For me, it's the one that's, like, not even empty because I, like, every I once in a while, I'll come home and just have, like, one glass of it. So I'm trying it's to. so good. Yeah. Yeah, Google Ooh, Google is lovely. coming back with zero uh, zero hits on where yeah. to buy writers' tears. So, um, but start with your Bushmills. Maybe get the Green Spot. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's definitely if you can find the Irishman around here, that's good too. Yeah, that's... and if you want to go and if you want to splurge, definitely uh, Yellow Spot. Um, also, the one we haven't tried yet that's been getting a lot of really good press in is the um, distiller in Dublin, Teeling. Uh, Teeling Irish Whiskey. Um, I have a bottle of that at home as well for us to oh, try nice. one day. Oh, I saw that in the bar yeah. the other night. So, yep. um, so we'll we'll report back. But uh, yeah, so there's a there's a couple good options for you there, Phil. So that's it for another episode of Whiskey Cats. Thanks for listening. You can find us online at whiskeycats.com or again, email us at whiskeycatspodcast at gmail.com. And please subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at whiskey underscore cats. And if you want to call us with a question or a comment or a whiskey story or any of those things, you can call us at 202-760-2009. Thanks for listening. Cheers. You cuddle near that sweet mama whisper in your ear. I'm wild about that thing, it makes me laugh.